a perfect picture Pictures ain't my thing But I could put a story in your head And open up your eyes So listen close This one is for my brothers, sisters, cousins All humans alike Let's take a second to remind ourselves To keep you humble And if my brother should fall Okay, so we're back with the Juby Take I'm Steve I'm Adam And with us again tonight is the Joe Cherry TJC Hello, thank you for having me once again. All right. This is becoming a regular thing. I know. Well, he is an executive producer. Yep. And we have a topic tonight that Joe is not going to be as vocal about because although he's been around Duck fans, he doesn't he doesn't follow really qualify as as a true Duck fan. He doesn't have any dr- Duck gear. No. You know, he's got no shirts, no hats, no shorts, nothing. Not, not sure. even a- Joe, Joe, could you could you name besides Marcus Mariota a Duck player? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, stop it. I mean, ever? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Last 10 years. Last. How about all the quarterbacks for the last 10 years, starting with Joey Harrington? Okay. No, that's as far as I can go. Okay. <laughs> all right. No, it was Harrington. Then there was the big uh, the big fair-haired dude. I forget his name. Okay. Uh, ended up playing in the league for a couple years. Okay, continue. And, uh, fair-haired well, uh, guy. Of course, there was Achilles Smith going back before that because uh, he went to the Bengals. Yeah, so are you talking Bengals. about Dennis Dixon, possibly? No, no. Of course, I remember Dixon. No, Dennis Dixon was not a fair-haired boy. <laughs> no, he was not. It was the guy right after him, I think, actually. The big, tall kid. Darren Thomas. Nope. No, they had Moss. Nope. Moss. Yeah, Moss was a quarterback. He never he played some, but he was hurt a lot. Okay. No, it was a big white kid. and uh, Big white kid. Yeah. Quarterback. Yeah. No, I remember, and and, okay. and as a matter of fact, my name that name doesn't come to me. Yeah, either. no, but so I, we're going to move on from this. <laughs> Hello, Dinata. How about that? Cool. There you go. Wow, he's <laughs> just nailing it one Deal name breaker. after another. Let's go. Okay, so we're going to talk about uh, Oregon football. We've been waiting now for twenty-one episodes to really get into the Ducks. We're ready, and we're basically seven days, eight days, seven and a half days from our first game. Oh man, so excited! It's Unbelievable what we're, we're going to endure next Saturday. Absolutely. Now, you know, we can talk a, a, just briefly about kind of how we got to where we are with duck football. Okay. Now, again, I go back to, you know, watching, you know, when I was in high school and when I got out of, out of high school and going to college. A little further back than I did. 60s and 70s. Uh, the ducks were really bad. Yeah. And going into the 80s. They were in a bowl in 1963. Okay. And the next bowl they were in was 1989. Ooh. So the Independence Bowl. They ended up getting into the Independence Bowl in 89. Yeah. And then after that, they were pretty much in a bowl game every year. There were a few years that they didn't make it. And Rich Brooks was the coach, and, and all of a sudden the program was getting better. And in 94, they went to the Rose Bowl. Now, this is about when I started kind of following the Ducks and becoming a big Duck fan was around this time. Obviously, I'm, you know, born in 89. You know, I'm six years old, five years old. Right. 94. Yeah. And again, I've got a lot of pictures with you and Duck stuff. Oh, yeah. Because back in those days, we had parties. Exactly. Like we talked about before. And it was it was an event, you know, Duck games. And I had I had gear for all the kids. Right. Didn't matter whether you had. Or you were a duck fan or not? You were wearing something duck. Yeah. Well, you know, I got drawers full of stuff. Yeah. That the kids wore. So you're right. 89, 90, 92, 95, 96, 97, 98. 90, yeah. So from there. Those are know, the bowl years that. Right. From 89 on, right? Yeah. Uh, the team was getting better. 
the recruiting was getting a little better. And after that Rose Bowl, Rich Brooks had the opportunity to go on to the NFL. And so they elevated Mike Bellotti. Which was the offensive coordinator? He was the offensive coordinator. And so he came in as the head coach and continued. The team got better and better. Yeah, it was a good decision. It was. And Bellotti was a good coach. I, 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 I met Bellotti, and he was good guy. Really? Yeah. Cool. Yes. That's fun. It was after one of our wins. I remember going to uh, one of the better restaurants in Eugene, Oregon, Ambrosia, and uh, ended up seeing him in the waiting room, actually. Went over and congratulated him for the win, said hi. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, name dropping here then. Fine. <laughs> I played golf with Mike Bellotti's wife. Okay. When they opened up one of the golf courses. That that wasn't Bellotti's wife. He just didn't hit his drive that far, Steve. You don't have to demean the guy. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, at the end of this tournament, uh, she won a putter. Ooh. And so she didn't need it. You know, Mike makes a lot of money. She's got better stuff than I do. So she gave me the putter. No way. Yeah. Okay. So you have one upper. Yeah. Good story, Adam, but sorry. Yeah. And it was that that putter I hated. Remember the one that, you know, with the edge that kept digging in? (laughs) It was that putter. I was punished for years about with that thing. Was that an odyssey? But you're not going to get rid of it at that point. Huh? Yeah, it was you're not, not going to get rid of that putter at that point. It was the Odyssey okay. putter I had for years. You're like, think, this putter sucks. I can't make anything as with it. As a matter of fact, but... I think it's in your bag. I hope so. Well, and didn't didn't you grind the bottom of it to make it? Uh, I did because yeah. the first four putts that I tried, that it had a it, just a knife blade of an edge. And if you touch the grass with it, it stuck. It was like catching an edge on your snowboard. <laughs> oh, man, that's fun. Yeah, Steve, yeah, it was Steve went face down on the green a couple times. It was it, ugly. It was not good. I, yeah, I... Rotator cuff injury is it was a lot of different things. Oh yeah, you know I blew a knee out. A lot of stuff again. One time when it when point. it caught. So so now Bellotti is there and the team is getting better, right? And they went out to hire a an offensive coordinator, and they went to New Hampshire and picked this guy that nobody knew. Yeah, I think he had a one winning season or something like. Well, that. Well, no, he was an offensive coordinator in New Hampshire for eighteen years. Oh, was he? He was never a head coach. Are we talking about Chip Kelly? Yeah, we are. So yeah. they, they brought him to Oregon because he's an innovative guy, yeah. a very interesting guy. So they brought him to Oregon, and that kind of was the handwriting on the wall for Bellotti's career. Yeah. It was... Once they brought him Chip there... Chip Kelly, yeah. He, Chip Kelly was going to get a head coach. It was like, job. how do we get him up here without stepping on Bellotti, basically? Well, yeah, he was offensive coordinator, I think, for four years, my recollection. But that may not be totally accurate. But... He was going to, Chip Kelly was going to get a head coaching job. Yeah. That's right. Four years. So at that point, I think that uh, that's when they decided that Bellotti was going to be athletic director. Right. And in other words, you're not going to be head coach anymore. We want to get this guy elevated. So right. he, Chip Kelly gets the, the opportunity and the team just takes off and is even better. Yeah. We really blew up from that point. Just the, the I think the, the innovation as well. Not, we had some good players, but I think the innovation in the offense uh, with his, you know, the way that obviously he being the offensive coordinator had a lot installed already, but I felt like just being the main person, he was able to really install that speed of offense. Exactly. It was, it was go fast. Uh, but also he did some, some outlandish things. Some of the things I loved about what he did was that he would go forward a lot on fourth down. Right. That Oh man, I really loved that. To me, the reason it worked is that it was planned. Right. It wasn't, okay, we're going to stop and think about whether we go for it on fourth. 
that allows the other team to sit there and think about they're going to go on, on fourth. Right. Well, and it wasn't an impulse buy. It wasn't a, damn it, let's go for it. It was yeah. every yeah. single it time we went down there, we set up for the extra, you know, going for two every single time. Right. They would do the, the swinging gator. They would do something on for two. But, but I'm talking about fourth down. All right. And really what would happen is that Chip Kelly knew going in, I'm going for it before the game even started. So what he would do is it's third and three, and he would call the play. And we would get a playoff within 10 or 12 seconds. And so he would leave, he would set it up where he would leave the same offense on the field. So now the defense can't substitute. Right. So they have to play with whatever they had on third down. And we would snap the ball within eight or 10 seconds. And so often they wouldn't be set. They wouldn't know what we're doing. Right. They have their third down package on and we'd get the first down. As much because of how fast we went and how it was a predetermined thing than it was the play we called yeah. or that we could just run over somebody. Well, that's what I remember about the Ducks when I remember you talking about it, of course, and Kelly got there as the offensive coordinator, and you were already impressed with him then. And it, and by the way, it was uh, two years, 2007 and 2008, where he was offensive coordinator. But uh, And then it would be it just that's when things got so much faster all the way around, not just yeah. on fourth down. but And then, you know, I mean, it caught on like wildfire, of course, and – the Ducks were just the fastest team in every way. You know, that's just that's what I remember about the whole Chip Kelly. I think at that point, once we started changing our offense to the speed up offense, um, and we made a priority to speed, that's when we started recruiting true speed. You know, yeah. that's when we really started recruiting the people that, you know, the Black Mambas out of California and stealing that from USC. You know, and really getting those big time names that. You know, like, I mean, the, the fastest running backs in the nation were flocking to Oregon because they knew that we were going to run and we were going to run fast. Yeah. No, re- recruiting really got a lot better. And also the people that's, that was brought in as far as coaching. You know, Chip Kelly brought in Scott Frost as a receivers coach. Mm. And some of the other coaches. Now, the coaching staff for Oregon had been there for forever. It was one of the most stable coaching staffs ever. Well, Bilotti was head coach for 12 years, right? Something yeah, like that. Yeah. Something like that. And uh, Brooks had been there for 18 years. Mm. But the assistant coaches, you know, Gary Campbell was there for over 30 years. Yeah. And Steve Greatwood was there for forever. And Osborne and John Neal. Majority Neil. of them over 30 years, yeah. Yeah, a lot of these guys had been there for 18, 20, 25 years. They had kept really the, the core of everything together. Well, that works to a point. Right. Chip Kelly, everybody knew Chip Kelly was going to the NFL. Right. So just a matter of when. A couple national championship showings and, yeah, you're off. Well, one, you know, but he wasn't there for the second. Oh, right, right. But it was his team. Yeah. And, of course, you have Marcus Mariota, who is, the, you know, one of the best, I think, college football quarterbacks in the history of could, college football. Possibly could be biased, but. <laughs> no, I'm never what? biased about things. Yeah. No, no. But so, okay, so here we are, you know, and now Chip Kelly's moved on to the Philadelphia Eagles. The team is still solid. Yep. It's really good. Mark Helfrich is elevated to the head coach. Yep. Scott Frost is elevated to the offensive coordinator. So we still got a good mind for that. Mm. And so it's still a fairly strong core of coaches. And there's still a lot of players. And that's what happens kind of when somebody takes over a program, I think, that's on the upswing. They take on a lot of the players. You know, obviously, there's still guys that are there that were recruited by Chip Kelly and were coached by Kelly. Right. And what I, the sense that I always got 
was that Helfrich tried to be Kelly and not Helfrich. Well, Kelly was such a dynamo. I mean, he made such an impact. He was. I, I imagine it's hard not to try and emulate that to, to hang on to. Well, exactly. Well, <laughs> at least want to be close to that because yeah. you're and being the, compared to it. Right. Well, right. The, well, all the success. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So now we have this situation where Helfrich is trying to be what Chip Kelly was and try to continue that. And then Aliotti, the defensive coordinator, retires. Again, he'd been a coach there for a long time. He'd been the defensive coordinator for a long time. Oh, yeah. And he was the architect of Gang Green. Gang Green. The 90s, the the dominant defense that Oregon had and the aggressive defense. He lost that aggressiveness. And they took on a bend-don't-break defense. And they still had players. You know, in the national championship game, which was in 2015, it stopped being aggressive. Okay, so the, the defense stopped being aggressive. Offensive coordinators switched over to Scott Frost. So... You know, we end up getting to the the second national championship in four years. What happens? Oh, well, that's the first year of the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was huge. Because Marcus Mariota's, you know, his his final year, he came back for his junior season. Right. 2014 season, 2015. 2015, that's what I thought. Okay, so, you know, it's the first year of the playoffs. So there's four teams in it. You have Ohio State and Alabama, and you have Florida, Florida State. State and Oregon. And Jameis Winston the Heisman Trophy winner from the year before, national champion from the year before, undefeated team from the year before, we're playing in the Rose Bowl, and they were undefeated, and we trounced them. We embarrassed them. We blew them off the field. 59 to 20. Right. And one of the best things I've ever seen on TV. Jameis Winston's. (laughs) Oh, there was. It was was just. He got sacked too many times. Yeah. Well, he he fumbles the ball, and Washington picks it up and goes for a touchdown. Oh, that was great. But my favorite thing was after the Alabama-Ohio State game, and Ohio State beat Alabama, and they're interviewing Urban Meyer. And so he kind of looks up and says, you know, what was the score of the Oregon-Florida State game? And they told him the score. And he just went, whoa. <laughs> and I looked at right. his face like, wow. <laughs> okay. Urban Meyer. That's right. Sure glad we get to play those guys. Yeah. But Aliotti had retired at that point, and Don Pelham, who was – had been at Oregon for 20 years, who was the linebacker coach, was elevated. Again, we're elevating everybody from within the program. Right. And I really feel like he had a lot to do with us losing because Cordell Jones was a quarterback for Ohio State, and I think he had maybe one start. Maybe. In his resume. He, he was I don't the, even think so because he was the third string. Third string quarterback, and he was a junior. Yeah, they had Braxton Miller, and they had JT Barrett before him. Right. And both of them were hurt. Yeah. So we ended up with Cordell Jones and we didn't pressure him. We just, we kept rushing three. And to me, what you want to do is you want to pressure a quarterback that has no experience. Make him make quick decisions. Yeah. So we'd rush three and we couldn't get anywhere close to him. And he'd stand back there. We'd rush three with some all-American defensive linemen. Well, yeah. These are NFL guys. Yeah. But it still wasn't enough. It wasn't. So anyway, okay, so that happened. And we lose the game. And yeah. we ended up getting blown out because in the second half, because we can't get up on them, and they're an excellent team, by the way. They're a fantastic team. But they had Ezekiel Elliott. Right. Mm. And, and all of a sudden, he started gashing us for ungodly amounts of yards. Yeah. And, you know, halfway through the second half, we're so far out of the game, we're not going to come close to winning. So now we go on to the next year, yep. the 2015 season. Lose to Ohio State. And... We lose some games, but again, we haven't developed our own players. 
you know, we, the recruiting was falling off. And again, we're losing the players that Chip Kelly had graduate had brought in. Right. And now it's Helfrich's players. And I feel the quality of the players was falling off and we just didn't develop quarterbacks. And I think one of Helfrich's biggest downfalls was he spent too much time paying attention to the, to the guys that are playing and you have to be constantly developing players. Right. Exactly. Because these are the guys of the future. These are the guys that if your your stars get hurt, you have to have somebody that can come in and play. And he kind of, you know, coddled the the starters. Yeah. Determined who was going to play, and the other guys just kind of stood around. And that came out to really kill us cuz Mariota leaves, you know, he after his junior year, he goes to the NFL. Yeah. He's a number 2 pick overall. Right. And we're left with Jeff Lockie and, you know, a couple of other quarterbacks that we had brought in. Taylor Lee. But we hadn't developed them. No. So, okay, Helfrich goes out and gets a graduate transfer. And he gets Vernon Adams from from uh, Eastern Washington. Right. But again, we got nobody behind him. And Vernon Adams get hurt at the start of the year. So we lose a couple games. We're still a good team. But again, we have several positions. The other position that we took a graduate transfer was center. Right. Haggerty, right? Yeah. So we have... Matt Haggerty from Notre Dame. Yeah. So again, I think it's it's the fact that we weren't developing our own players and, and we weren't bringing guys up and we're, these were stop gaps. Right. And to me, when everything really changed is at the end of the season, you know, we, we were going to the Alamo Bowl. Right. And we're playing TCU and they'd had kind of an up and down season. Yeah, they had a pretty good offense. I think Boykins was the, right. the quarterback at the time. Right. Well, Scott Frost was given, he was uh, hired at Central Florida. He took Eric Shenander with him. And so Matt Lubick was elevated to the offensive coordinator in that game. Right. And we start out and, oh my gosh, you know, Vernon Adams is playing great. Yep. Our defense is playing great. Everything seems to be great. But, you know, it's 31 to nothing at halftime. But then Vernon Adams gets hurt on kind of a silly play. Really silly play. I remember Instead that. of sliding, he went head first and he got knocked out of the game. Right about that same time, we lose our center. And so the second half, we're like, oh, 31 nothing. You know, you've got to play Even if really we make bad. a couple mistakes, we're still, yeah. Yeah, we kind of got this. <clears throat> and so the second half was one of the most nightmarish. It was a horror story. Yeah, halves of football that I've ever seen. It's terrible. We couldn't stop them. We couldn't do anything. We our couldn't center, get a first down. Well, our center couldn't hike the ball to the quarterback. Right. Turnovers left and right. Yeah. So we end up losing the game in overtime. An absolute meltdown. I think it, it's historically the worst blown lead. Or game. depending on which way you want to look at it, the greatest comeback ever <laughs> in college football uh, in a bowl. Yeah. So now going into you know the 2016 season, it's a sour note, and we still don't have a quarterback. Things aren't looking good. Things aren't good. Looking good. No. We're depleted now. I think with our players, and again, I think Helfrich didn't know what to do. You know, he, he decided that Don Pelham wasn't the answer. No kidding. A defensive coordinator. So he goes and gets Brady Hoke. Who's a big name? Was a you know the Michigan head coach? Right. He was a defensive-minded coach, but had never been a defensive coordinator. And he came in, decided he's going to totally change the defense from a three-four to a four-three. Blah blah blah. Yeah. He's Horrible year. Make this change. Yeah. Meanwhile, you don't you don't have personnel to make that kind of change, right? No, you've, no, you don't no, because you, you've recruited all these guys to a three-four. Yeah. So you're trying to make linebackers defensive ends, and you're trying to make you know. Defensive tackles, defensive some things, and now oh, it's just a mess. Yeah. You don't have the personnel. Yeah. So everything goes wrong, and we end up four and eight. 
And with that, everybody goes. Helfrich is fired. His entire staff is fired. The support staff is fired. Everybody's gone. Yeah. And in Which con- at the time kind of sounds refreshing. Well, well, as we've talked about in other episodes, it's, it's great and exciting and scary. Very scary. At right. the same time. Because you, as you've just laid out, you've gone through many years, 20 of, years of, yeah. of pretty stable, maybe this year will be our year, you know, maybe, maybe not national championship for 20 years or anything, but no, for the but last 10. <laughs> it's been an upward trajectory. Yeah. yeah. And the last 10 were legit, like maybe not 10, eight or whatever it was since you, you first played Auburn in that, you know, we were playing Chip big Kelly, bowls or, yeah. From, from the end of Bilotti into Chip Kelly from that time. Yeah. You're, you've been we much, were ascending into the elite. Exactly. Yeah. And big time elite and exciting elite and, and groundbreaking elite. And there's a lot of new duck fans today because of exactly. the streak. Oh, that all we, of, yeah. All of the things that, you know, the, the, the uniform. uniforms yeah. but during that period of time, uh, going back to, I believe, 93 is the first year. Uh, and they were at the Cotton Bowl, I believe. And that's when Phil Knight decided that, you know what? I kind of want to get involved in this. What can we do? And he went to Bilotti and said, what can I what can we do to do this again? Because this is really kind of fun going to bowl games. Yeah. Now, Phil Knight had been associated with the university, went to the University of Oregon. Nike was founded and started at the University of Oregon. Very proud of that fact. But he had not been really an active participant uh, as an alumnist or certainly as a philanthropist to to start, you know, donating money and, and helping build the franchise. Right. And so when he came in and also Pat Kilkenny, who was another big booster, uh, came in and they said, OK, let's start doing some stuff. You know, what can we do? And so that's when the money starts flowing. And that's when Nike starts getting involved with, you know, everything Oregon. Right. And then it's years after that, you know, it's it's probably a good 10 years before things are really starting to kick in. But now you're building the Mashovsky Center and you're you're building, you know, all of the facilities that they have. And the and Marcus Mariota Center is there now as well, but that was a ways, ways after. Right. Well, wait, even the Casanova Center. Wait a second. There's there. a Marcus Mariota Center? Yeah. Boy, you are not alone in your uh, praise of... of No, Marcus Mariota, and it's a sports science center. So it it has... Probably the best in the nation. State-of-the-art sports science. That's cool. And that's... So that's what I was thinking about, was not only has the play and the level of play and the recruiting and the team and the program gotten better, but the whole aura, the whole environment of Oregon football has just become one of the very top top if not you know certainly on the west coast you've got oregon and your uscs but usc is i don't know about their facilities necessarily no just, you know, they don't have nike behind them no so it's oregon right and it's the uniforms and the the state-of-the-art facilities and the and the buzz frankly and the the you know kids that aren't oregon fans are out there wearing oregon stuff because you know they like you know to represent the newest coolest hippest you know they had that buzz going for them as well they well were, exactly and and you know, you alluded to him earlier, but DeAnthony Thomas, yeah. you know, him coming to Oregon mm-hmm. and with his speed and the things that he could do. And now what you're finding, which is amazing to me, is you, you probably for the past five or six years, the kids that they're start talking to, you know, that are 17, 18 years old and 
they talk about the fact that they have been Duck fans. Now, maybe they're from Florida, they're from Georgia or Texas mm-hmm. or California, but they grew up being Duck fans. They right. grew up because of, of how flashy yeah. Oregon was and the speed because they started recruiting incredible speed. For years there, we were you know leading at least the Pac-12 in uh, plays over 20 yards. You know, probably the nation. You know, so, yeah, maybe. I mean, oh, our and, average, and, yeah, our, our and, average scoring time was like less than a minute. And it's super exciting to watch. Yeah, you know, was, for anyone, especially right. people that aren't football fans. Well, that's part of the reason you said it early on. Uh, you know, you had a lot of people around. You know, all of your duck, you know, festivities over these past years, or, or maybe you just alluded to it, but it's uh, it's largely because you guys are so cool, of course, but yeah. also because. The ducks were so fun to watch. I mean, if you were, you know, Wisconsin fans, you may right. not have had the same turnout at your scoring fourteen <laughs> points a game at your party. People weren't going to flock to your house to do one point four shots a game. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and really, you know, the the people that that followed those teams, and they have great fan bases, and a lot of people follow them, but they're not bringing in the number of fans. No, that that Oregon is the converts the, the people that maybe weren't that big of football fans, right. but all of a sudden with the flash and with everything going on, a lot of people's girlfriends really like the ducks. Yeah. Very true. Possibly the yellow. Yeah. They got cool. They got Lightning cool swag, yellow. cool gear. So, okay. So after last season, everybody gets fired yep. and they go out now, where are you going to go? And every name gets floated out. It's scary. You know, you know you're, you're trying to get, this big name coach and that big name coach. And they settle on Willie Taggart and Willie Taggart is generally, unless you're really involved in college football, unless you're really involved with East coast football, you go who? Right. And so he's brought in in December. Now, you know, you've, you've got a basically a month and a half until national signing day. Everybody's out the door, right? He hits the ground recruiting. And that's one of the things he got hired. Yeah. He's from South Florida. Before that, he was at Western Kentucky. He's a, a Harbaugh on that coaching tree. Right. You know, his Jim Harbaugh's dad, Jim and John Harbaugh's dad, coached him at Western was Kentucky. Was his coach, and he became good friends with so he, yeah, yeah Jim with, and John. With the Harbaugh's. He actually was at Stanford with Jim Harbaugh. So he gets out here, and, you know, the big thought at that point is, okay, well, what are we going to do about our recruiting class? And he's out recruiting by himself. No staff. Right. And he's going and talking to this guy and going and talking to that guy and the energy that he brings. And so he starts bringing in a staff and I'm like, okay, well, you know, you're only as good as your staff. Right. And at, in December, you know, you're trying to put a staff together and he pulled some incredible people from the coaching world. Man, did he and, ever. And part of it was money. Right. You know, they, the draw of Oregon that we're talking about, well, the, you know, the name. What also the university and the athletic director Mullins said, okay, uh, here's how much money I'm going to give you. And it's a big budget. So he was able to get Jim Leverett's from, from Colorado. I think that was the biggest get. It was huge, you know, but they gave him $1.1 million for an off, a defensive coordinator. Right. That's pretty good, you know, pretty it's good salary. Decent. Uh, but then they started pulling, you know, the, the defensive line coach from Washington State, the secondary coach with, uh, with Leverett's from Colorado. From Colorado. You know, he pulled uh, the running back coach from uh, his former school, he, USF. Right. He brought Pimpleton with him. Yep. And then he went and got the Alabama offensive line coach. Which for me. Cristobal. 
was the biggest get mentally for me as a fan. I felt like if this guy wanted to go from Alabama, who is the just dominant force in college football over the last I don't know, five years, six years, m- more than that. But, the, you know, it's because of that he decided he wanted to come to Oregon. I thought that was incredible. And I did, especially being, you know, the number one, you know, recruiter in the nation a couple years prior to that. Absolutely. And really, it, it legitimizes things when you start talking about, okay, now we've brought in somebody from Alabama. Right. And not somebody that they didn't want at Alabama. Right. He was highly coveted there. But they also gave him the co-offensive coordinator position and a pretty good raise. Yeah. So, you That know, helps. Yeah. You know, money talks. Yes. That's- so now that we have this huge staff, we have this great staff, everyone's been brought in, the hype is huge for this season. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and that's the thing about us. It, it, yes, the hype. Did you watch the hype video? I watched the hype video. I've watched everything that has been put out. <laughs> I spend every day watching every video, every interview, right. and reading every story. <laughs> so it's that's on me. Right. You know, I got that retired thing. I got nothing else to do. But it makes it very exciting yeah. because, you know, you watch Spring Ball and the staff. And the thing I love about this staff is the energy that they bring. You know, all the players talk about the fact that the coaches bring and they're younger pretty much across the board. Except right. A couple of the guys are a little older. Like Levitz is, is an older guy. But again, he's got more energy than anybody else. Exactly. But the energy that the coaching staff brings and the technique, you listen to the offensive line and they start talking about what Cristobal has taught them and the technique simple things like foot placement and hand placement and how you deal with things and how you are and the way that you play the game. But I just find it interesting. Totally. So, and the same thing when it comes to some of the other coaches, the things that they're being taught, some different techniques. That's what everybody seems to be talking about is that, you know, Oh, okay. Well, this coach is teaching me this and that. And it's, it is, it's just exciting because you just want to soak all that stuff up. So you're talking about your coaches that you're excited about, and I'm just sort of following along and reading as you guys are talking about them because I know Jack Diddley. Right. But uh, he's not one of the coaches, by the way, Jack Diddley. Jack Diddley? No. No, he was uh, Helfrich's staff. <laughs> yeah, he's gone he's now. He's gone now. But what about players? What, who, are the, who are the most exciting players? Exciting Coming players? into this season. Yeah, the guys that you really can't wait to watch. Is it all of them? I Is mean – do you get generic like There's that? There's one or? that really sticks out for me that I really want to see, and I'm really excited, and I think he's going to be probably the most dominant back in the league, and it's Royce Freeman. I think that he looks incredible um, just from, I mean, a body standpoint. I think that he is one. He, he was and has been one of the most dominant backs in the nation in the past couple of years last year was a little bit of a fall off, but I think that that really, <laughs> you can hear that in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Go ducks. I think that he is someone to really look out for. I think he's kind of revamped as he's made it a mission to uh, re rebound from a, a worst season than he's had in the past. He's last a, year he's a senior this yep, year. Yeah. senior this year. And so coming in, he has, he has something to prove. And he has the ability to do it. And I think that that's what I'm really excited about is him coming in and, and doing what he needs to do. Cool. Uh, what, what was the guy's name that was 
who was the guy from Oregon, Steve, the the uh, running back that kind of didn't pan out over the last, I don't know, couple of years maybe? He was just a beast in Oregon high school football. Thomas Tyner. Thomas yeah. Tyner. Is he still there? He or is possibly he's Oregon State? State. Oh, he transferred? Yeah. I no, actually, what ended up happening, you could ask me this. It's oh. okay. Don't well, worry about it. Well, I couldn't come up with his name. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, Thomas Tyner ended up uh, getting injured and then remember that he, uh, he decided to retire from football, um, that year and it didn't, didn't come back, um, because he retired from football that year, he cannot come back to the university of Oregon. And therefore when he decided to come back to college football, he had to go to another school closest thing, Oregon state. Cause he's an Oregon guy. So what, uh, how's he doing? Um, we don't know. We have no idea. You don't care. And we don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's not like he plays for Washington. Not until November. We'll yeah. care in November. Yeah. yeah, exactly. When we play him. I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to be good. I don't think he's going to be a Royce Freeman good. Yeah. I just, I, that occurred to me because I remember the, all the hype of him coming out of out of high school. So well, other than Royce Freeman, Dad, what is a, a player or a part of the team that you're excited about this well, year? Well, who's the quarterback? Herbert. Herbert. Justin, okay. Justin Herbert. Yeah. And he was a true freshman last year. Redshirt sophomore this year? No, he's not a redshirt at no, all. No, he, true, he played as a true okay, freshman, okay, so yeah, he's yeah. a sophomore. True sophomore, yeah. Last year, Dakota Prukup was another graduate transfer. We tried to do the Vernon Adams thing again. Yeah. And it didn't, didn't work out the way No, Prukup wasn't. To. He was garbage. So Herbert is, is this year. He actually was very good in, in the few games he played last season. The few, I think it was like six games he ended up playing. And he put up stats that were close to the Heisman favorite this year, which is Sam Darnold at USC. Mm. Um, comparatively, they were pretty similar in, in the games played and, and statistic-wise. So yeah, he's, I'm excited for that. I think Absolutely. He's I think he's a really good quarterback. And the interesting thing about that is he's from Sheldon High School in Eugene. Jesus right. Christ, he's huge. Yeah. Yeah. 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> And he's really, really good. He's more athletic than you would think. He's very mobile. Yeah. And the arm. interesting thing about it, again, going back to Helfrich's time and the recruiting, they had gone out and got Terry Wilson, and they had went and got out a couple, you know, some other quarterbacks that, that were higher rated. Travis and, Johnson. What do you mean higher rated? Like you mean more the, stars? You know? Oh, yeah. recruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah recruit yeah, ratings. Duh. Yeah. So anyway, I, yeah, I really believe that he's going to be a quality quarterback. I, I, now we I don't have any depth behind him, no. so you got to keep him. Uh, to protect gotta, him. Got to keep him healthy. I was away. Uh, yes, we at know. the at the beverage counter. <laughs> we heard when uh, when we were talking about Royce Freeman. And the only thing I want to say about that is since Royce Freeman got to Oregon, I mean, he just looks like an Adonis specimen. The guy has just like got muscles sticking out everywhere. Yeah, and what is amazed me is that by all accounts, including his own, he talks about the fact that he redid his body for this year. He is stronger and more fit than he was before. And I just don't understand that. How can that be? Yeah. You look at the guy and you're like, how can you, how can you do anything with that? But then if you actually look at him this year, his arms are, and, and that's just his arms. I'd love to see his legs, the difference in I that. Bet you I bet would. Well, okay, on YouTube, <laughs> here, what, a month ago, he did a 600-pound squat. Not afraid squat. to say it. Good Lord. 600-pound squat. Now I want to see his legs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and the funny thing is, is that kind of went viral a little bit. Right. And so at, at one point he was interviewed, and he was saying that, well, once you get to 600 pounds, it's, there's no reason to go any further. 
Yeah. So once I did that, it's it's like okay, there's no reason to do 700 or no, it's 600. That's good. Yeah. You know, I can no lift. One I can I can lift two defensive linemen on my shoulders up off the ground. Right. So that's it. I'm going to move on from there. <laughs> but okay, so what am I excited about? I'm excited about what I hope is going to be a better defense. Now we have more experience in the secondary, and again, as we were talking with uh, about the fact that the Taggart you know, try to keep the recruiting class together. And they finished up, I think, 15th in the nation. And they did a great job. And a lot of the players they're bringing in are going to play. Yep. Uh, but we are short. I mean, we are, there's not a lot of depth on the D-line. We just signed another transfer, Juco transfer this week. And it's a little late in the year to be bringing yep. in players that are going to play. Yeah. But that's, you know, we need, we need help there on the D-line. Our offensive line, though, which again, as every one of these conversations that we have or the podcasts that we do, and when we're talking about football, everything starts with the line. Yeah. And our offensive line last year came out and there were a bunch of redshirt Very freshmen playing. Very inexperienced. And we had one of the best offensive linemen that we've ever had at Oregon couldn't play last year. Crosby. And he's back. So now we have, we're about eight or nine deep with quality offensive linemen. And I think Cristobal, I'm just impressed every time I listen to him speak when he starts talking about the things that they're focusing on. He's going to have them doing what they need to do. They need to be more physical. And yeah. that, oh, everybody's talked about that for years about Oregon. And I think we got a bad rap at different times. Totally. That we weren't physical. Well, I mean, you have to be physical to a certain point when you're running for 10 million yards a game. I mean, they just used to run at will. So I don't know how anybody could have criticized. To a certain extent. But well, if you watch the years where the Michael James was there, he outran the defenses to the edge. Of course, and so did Kenyon Barner and uh, you the know Anthony Thomas after that. And the Anthony Thomas, but but you look at you know the Legarrette Blunts of the world and the uh, yeah. the well Jonathan Stewart, Jonathan and Stewart. Jeremiah Johnson, yes. and, and those guys were tough runners hitting good holes and making their yeah the backs are always great of course that's yeah. the point but. Great backs don't get very far without without a good line. Exactly, yeah. and and I agree with you, Joe, in the fact that I think that you know part of it, like you're talking about Adam with scheme, but I think also part of it is that we were tougher than we were given credit for. It's just the style people, you know, because because they're running around the edge like you're talking about. People yeah. don't give they don't give the uh, left tackle credit for uh, getting out and hooking that DN. For even, yeah, hooking you know? them for a second longer, <laughs> right. you know. I mean, it really takes a, it makes a difference. It's a hard right. block. And stretch plays where, you know, in zone blocking type of thing. Yeah. So you're, you're running out Oregon offensive linemen. One of the reasons that they have quite a few in the NFL, but not nearly like the SEC teams. Correct, or the Big Ten teams even, you know, that are sort Right, of because Oregon would recruit a little bit smaller. You know, they'd bring in the 260 guys. And build them up to 285. 266.7. Well, yeah. I mean, but still, they were lighter. Yeah. And they, they would have to put on weight. One of the things that Oregon's doing now is they are putting on more weight, but they're also recruiting guys that are bigger. Yeah. You look at the kids that, are, that have committed now to Oregon uh, and the kids that they brought in, these are 300-pound guys. Right. And 320 and 325. They're just huge. Which is... Exactly what in the past, you know, looking at the past national championship teams that we had faced, that was probably one of the biggest things that people were 
were bringing up against us was the difference in the lines in the weights and what's there and what we're trying to you know being able to to push them around are we going to be able to run around them as much because they're going to push us around kind of thing right well yeah if you can't get wide you have to have enough strength to keep anybody from penetrating right because penetration destroys the ability to go wide so i like our offensive line i think that that's going to be a strength now Obviously, our, our backfield is just stacked. Yeah. Because I think, I really believe that we have one of the best running backs in the nation, and the two guys behind him are right there. Could be starters for so many teams. Exactly. I think that they start, you know, Can I Benoit, I think starts for a lot of football teams. Yep. And he's third string. And Tony Brooks James is incredible speedster. It kind of reminds me of Michael James, a little bit smaller. Very fast, but runs with power. I love that combination too. Of, it is of the Freeman, you know, to the Brooks James, and even to the Benoit, which is kind of a combination of both. You get three different looks of a running back coming in, you know, and that's I think any any football team wants that kind of exactly. And they brought in three freshmen that are, I guess, really really good. Yeah, and one of them, and I can't pronounce his name, is Lakayo. Le- something or else it's you're gonna give it a shot anyway though no i'm not (laughs) lakayo something or other no it's yeah it it's yeah it's the three-word name (laughs) but they liken him to thomas tyner since we brought him up okay with the speed and with the the power the power so okay so we're really good there weaknesses weaknesses on the offense and i hesitate to say weaknesses unproven is our wide receiver question marks Question marks. Our wide receivers. Totally. Because Darren Carrington, who was going to be our number one receiver, kind of messed up, and now he's at Utah. Correct. He, he yeah. got a, a DUI. DUI in Eugene. In Eugene. Got expelled. So he was removed from the football team. Yep. He already graduated, so he allowed him to be a graduate transfer, and he went to Utah. So now we have Charles Nelson is the only real veteran re- uh, returning uh, receiver that we have. Yes, as yeah, veteran. Uh, we have some wide receivers that had some experience, but nothing close to what they would need to. Now, Dylan Mitchell is, by all accounts, is a highly recruited kid. Alex Ophidial, right, and and he's the one big receiver we have. Six six, no six three. Yep, that's the Depend- one. Yeah, and I read something the other day that said it was six two. Always kills me. I got a uh, Kyle Buckner here. Do we know who that is? Wide receiver, uh, R. Redshirt sophomore, 6'3". No? No. Nothing? No. no. Anybody? Bueller? No. Bueller? Bueller. <laughs> but, okay, and then we have some freshmen that came in. We have a lot of small guys. And a couple, you know, uh, Daywood Davis. Yep. And Johnny Johnson are both in the 6'1", 6'2", range. They've been getting a lot of press during the spring or the fall practices. And they're true freshmen. So, you know, what can they do? Be interesting to see. The One of the interesting ones to me is Schooler who was yeah. a freshman safety. safety last year that led the team in, in interceptions. Inter- interceptions. And they moved him because of our depth at, in the secondary. They moved him to wide receiver. Mm, interesting. Because yeah. he has great ball skills. Now he's going to be, I think, the, the, too deep on the on the wide receiver. Yeah, he's yeah he's the second string wide out. Yeah. Uh, got, has great hands and incredibly fast. And he's 6'3". Yeah. Well, there you go. So, yeah, I mean, that's... You start moving people around, and Taggart has said, you know, I'll find a place for you. 
Right. You know, I'll get you on the field somewhere if you're a football player. That's kind of the offense. But with that, I want to talk about the fact that it seems to be everybody is buying in to the team concept. They talk about one of the things that, that Taggart wanted to do early on was he went through the football facility at Oregon. And it, as we talked about a moment ago, it's amazing. Yeah. It's incredible. Very, And very the good. players' areas are just amazing. Right. But nobody was there. The players weren't hanging out there. Going back and looking at last year, and a lot of the talk was the team was very fragmented. Right. They didn't hang out together. It wasn't a unit. They kind of pointed fingers behind the scenes at each other, at the defense, at the offense. And it just doesn't work if that happens. And so one thing Taggart wanted to do was get the team together, get them to eat together, yeah. get them to hang out together. And over the past six or seven months, a lot of the accounts that I've read, they talk about the fact that you don't see one player wandering around. They have a group. There's four or five of them. There's six guys. They go do things together. They hang out at yeah. the football facility and play the video games and all the other things that they've got in there. And so it's more cohesive. It's more of a team, and that's what Taggart really wants. That's what anyone would want. I mean, that's what I want, you know? I that's want that right want. now. Yeah. We're, exactly. Joe, we're great. We have that. We have that right here. <laughs> and we have feels that right, great. Right here. Let's all hold hands. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, that's uh, nice. That's nice. Okay, nice. so. But, all right, so that's what they're shooting for, okay. and that's what seems to be happening. And again, I've seen it over the years with different teams that it kind of goes away. It has to be a focus. Yep. And then the players have to buy into it. You know, they have to want to do that. They has have to, be to a culture like change. Other. It's a culture. And then it has to do with how you recruit. Do you recruit nice guys? Or do you have players that are are talented but kind of assholes? Well, the nice part about that is is if you have the right coaching staff and the right culture established, like you just talked about, then you can you can weather a lot of the, you know, they're just kids. You know what I mean? Nobody's right. set in stone at that point. So you get a couple of troublemakers in there and you can turn them around if you're a good if you're a good staff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even there, yeah, you want to recruit good guys that don't have, <laughs> you know, that aren't out robbing banks or anything. But, you know, even if you got a guy that's got a few problems, I think you could probably turn it around. So do you know who, I'm just looking up here, Jalen, Jalen Jelks? Jalen Jelks, yeah. Out of Desert Vista? Desert Vista. Is he good? Is he he's a, a defensive lineman? Yeah, he is. Yeah. He'll play a lot this year. Cool. Yeah, it says he's a redshirt junior. Uh, yeah, he's he's had injury issues since he got to to Oregon, mm -hmm. and again bouncing back and forth. They wanted him to add weight last year to be a defensive interior defensive lineman, but he's he plays better at a little bit lighter. Yeah, they got him listed at uh, two forty five and six six. Right. So yeah, he's. I think he's going to be a real impactful player. Yeah, cool. You know, again, it's get getting people to believe in themselves. One of the things that that Taggart started talking about when he first got there is everything's wide open. I don't care what you did here before. It doesn't matter that you returned punts for three years. It doesn't matter that, you know, that you've started for three years. It doesn't matter what has happened before because we can't, we're not going to win any games on what you did before. It's what you're doing now. And so he created what he called kind of a rolling a depth chart. Each day it could change. So if you go out and play really hard and are prepared and know the offense or know the defense and line up correctly and do all these things, then you can elevate, you can climb. And that's what happens when there's a new, you know, a, a new staff coming in because you end up in a situation where it's, it's, it doesn't matter what you did before because the coaching staff wasn't there anyway. 
in that regard, it's good. Yeah. And it's a constant competition. And Taggart has said things like, okay, if you don't want to compete, don't come to Oregon. Yeah. If you think that, that I'm going to recruit you and you're going to walk in and you're going to be the only guy, sorry, I don't want you here. Because now there's an epidemic and it's happened at Oregon. We had two of our quarterbacks transfer after spring ball, one two days into spring ball, Terry Wilson. And these guys are like, well, okay, Justin Herbert's really good and he's going to be your starter. So I'm gone. So I'm out of here. Never mind. I give up essentially. Exactly. I want to go someplace where I can play. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always that. That's a tale as old as college football, really. It is, but it seems to be in, in, uh, obviously in football it happens, but basketball is even worse where, you know, guys are like, okay, this doesn't fit me perfect. I don't like this. I'm out of here. Well, all of these guys were the best player in their, you know, in their high school, of course. Exactly. So. No. And it, and yeah. it's very true. And, and I can understand not, you know, not wanting to sit on the bench, but what Taggart's talking about is that competition. Yeah. You can't just say you don't want to sit on the bench, come out and play like you don't want to sit on the bench. Exactly. Yeah. And if you are sitting on the bench, then you know what? It means that there's people that are better than you ahead of you and you need to play against them and, and, and hopefully that'll make you better. I think that's the thing that for me, you know, being someone that looks at the positive side of things and tries to see that. Well documented. Well documented. I, I would say that as someone that would be sitting on the bench, you need to look at the positive in the sense that you're playing against people that are better than you and they're going to make you better. And eventually, hopefully, you'll be able to find that spot, especially in a football team where, you know, you got to be somewhere for three years or so, I guess. Right. But not only that, you're one play away from being in the game. Yeah, that's right. Yep. There's that's all, you know, true. And, you know, I wasn't able to do it when I was younger and I doubt any young guy can. But wouldn't it be great if you could take the the approach that you're sitting on the bench because the guy's better than you and that's better for the team. And if you and if you want to be better than him and play, then you got to do that. But ultimately what you should really care about is what's best for the team. And it's, that's a, that's a big ask of of 19 year old kids. Well, it is. And to that point, Oregon has probably the, the best example of that kind of football player on their team right now. in Charles Nelson, Charles Nelson came to Oregon as an offensive player, right? During his tenure there, the defense was really bad. Yep. And the secondary was getting beat. So they ask him, well, will you go play safety? Now, here's a guy that's, what, 5'9", yeah. 185 pounds? Not a big guy. Mm. And so he said, sure. What do you need me to do? And so he's out there chasing people down and Tackling. hitting people, throwing his body around. Uh-huh. And then he's the gunner on punts. And he's making half the tackles on kickoffs. He, then he scores a touchdown, you know, out of the backfield. And, you know, or he lines up in the slot and he catches a pass. Charles Nelson is easily one of the most versatile players in college football. Today. He is. He's amazing. The thing is, is that he never thought, at least that I've ever seen or heard about, about what he wanted. It was what the team needed. Right. And to your point, Joe, that's what you need on your team. Yeah. Yeah. That's what coaches yell at you from the time you, you know, you go out for peewee football. You know, you be, and if it's, and if it's as the backup player, you know, that's your role, then then embrace that role and be the exactly. best and be the best practice player you can be and be the best, you know, everything, you know, Rudy, essentially. Rudy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Rudy makes the team better. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, what's in it for him being part of the team. That's right. You know, I, I always look at that and I just try to feel that 
you know, I, I wish the players would just be real with themselves. You know, uh, if you if I think that the, the problem you run into is that you feel that you're better than the starter. That's well, yeah. you know when it comes to that depth chart. Sure. You know, you I'm have to have confidence. Better. Totally, but in the sense that understanding that there are people that are better than you, and and accepting that, and being real with yourself with that, and that's what's going to help you grow and get better if you actually accept it, as opposed to thinking that you should be in that position. You're awesome, and you should be starting. I'm so yeah. proud of you right now. Yeah. Man. Okay. I'm going to talk for a minute because they're going to hug. <laughs> so what I think is, again, it's the culture that the coaching staff creates and the honesty that they have with the players and the belief that a player has in a coach that if the coach comes to him and says, you need to work on this, and this guy's going to start over you, but here's what I need you to do. Here's the deficiencies that I see in your game. You need to work on that but I need you on this team. And that belief in the coaching staff and that belief in your, your teammates, and you want the guy next to you that you're competing for a job with to succeed because it helps the team, as you said, Joe, and that's the ultimate goal. You know, if you can get these kids to kind of lose the, the individuality of, of what they're doing and what their particular circumstance is and look at what's best for the team. And as we said, you're one play away from being on the field. There have been years that, you know, the fourth string quarterback for Oregon or the fifth string quarterback for Oregon ends up being in the game. Well, look at Ohio State right. from a couple of years ago. Right. Cordell Jones is sitting on the bench. You know, he's out there practicing a little bit, but he's got, you know, two guys ahead of him and he has no chance. Right. And all of a sudden he's in the, national, in the national championship game. championship game. Yeah. And Don Pelham made him look like he belonged there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Don. Okay, so we get to the defense. I think our, our defensive line is another group that's a little bit shorthanded, as we talked about. Yes. The linebackers, I think we have some good linebackers. We have some good young linebackers. Yes. But I'm concerned. They've been talked highly of. I'm concerned. You know, there's a few things that, you know, you want to believe in. You want to like the players. I mean, Troy Dye, I think, is going to be a star. Right. I agree with that 100%. Who's Troy Dye? Troy Dye is the true freshman. Leading, leading tackler from last year. From last year. Just to study. Played outside last year. This year they're moving him inside. He's 6'3", I think about 220, but he's very instinctual, very intelligent. Yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Kiko Alonso, mm. and I'm very excited to watch him this year because Kiko Alonso just was an instinctual player. He just knew when to shoot a gap, when to move, how to stay off of blocks. Last year, and it seems like the last few years, our linebackers are, are block magnets. Mm-hmm. They yeah, just all of a sudden so they get yeah. tied up and they can't get off a block. It's like they seem to find the blocks like they're looking for them. It just once once weird. somebody gets to them, they can't get away. It was weird. It was. Yeah. All, I mean, it's like the when you play like Madden or or something, and you get your guys stuck on the block, and you're like, "Come on, get off the block!" <laughs> I don't know what button. Well, he's holding. The push. Holding. Yeah. <laughs> push B B B B B B. But. It's just like that. I think, yeah. Justin Hollins, I think, is is an, a player I, I can't wait to see this year. Yep. I think that he's had a ton of potential and, again, had a lot of injury issues. Again, so at that point, yeah, our linebackers aren't going to be the best. Our secondary, I, I like our secondary. We have a I lot of experience. I think that's the strength of our, of our defense, which hasn't been in the past, which is exciting. I think that, you know. Well, the, uh, yeah. Except if you go back a few years ago in the national championship game, it was a strength. Totally. I'm, so we're only I'm, talking a couple yeah, years I'm, ago. I'm talking, th- you know, two, three years, you know, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, it, it hasn't really been that long. 
but in the past few years, I think after, you know, Ifu, you know, left and man, right and Hill and, and Hill. Yep. Those are the two that were the big ones. After that, we didn't have any stoppers. We didn't have anyone that, that could in, on the corner, at least that's going to be able to take on their number one wide receiver and make it difficult for him. That is the problem because you look at Dargan and you look at Hill and you look at Ifu, yep. Ekpre, Olamu. He was a sophomore before I ever got figured out how to you know, say his name. <laughs> It's kind of like the running back. By the time the running back's a junior that, that we have right now, I'm going to have it. <laughs> I really get annoyed when when they keep bringing in these players, players that their no names you just it. can't pronounce. Well, they don't they recruit a lot of uh, Polynesian players? Well, they do. Holode Nada was, <laughs> was a sophomore before I knew how to say Holode Nada. Yeah. I mean, because you've tried to say it Hol- phonetically. I think, I think they had to say it no. on TV before we actually knew what it was. Many, on. many times, luckily. <laughs> yeah, can I Benoit? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You just you don't say that the first time you is look it, at the way it's Is it with spelled. a T? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Benoit. Yeah. Yeah, I called him. Benoit for so long. Can, can he? Benoit. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's can ben- I Benoit. Well, I don't know if you remember Benoit Benjamin, but he ruined it for all Benoits. Yeah. That's kind of the team. Right. We endured so many years of horrible kickers. Yes. And now we have a great kicker. How did, I'm how, really excited So about why this. do you say you have a great kicker? Has he been your kicker for three years? And he's, no. He's, yeah. Schneider. Well, yes. He is uh, the yeah, most but... accurate kicker in the history of University of Oregon. Okay, cool. And last year, I think he, he missed one kick. Right. Uh, the year before, he maybe missed one. I think uh, I was more thinking of punts. When you said that, because Ian Wheeler, yeah, I mean, worse than any high school punter you've ever seen, which blows my mind because where did they get him? Yeah, I mean, that's the funny thing is Wheeler is one of those you have practice punters and you have game punters. You have the guy in practice that can just launch it 45 yards with nine second hang time, (laughs) and then in the game, all of a sudden it's off the side of his foot and it's 32 yards or it's 27 yards. He even kicks some backwards, I think. Sometimes. But he's gone. Yep. He, he actually retired. Yep. So, you know, now we have kind of a battle. The interesting thing is Stack, who's the freshman that came in this year, kicks equally as well with either foot. Yeah, that, that is the thing that was really intriguing. So which foot does he kick with? He, well, it I, depends on what the situation I, I don't is, know. I think. No. Where, but which, he, which, he equally. Where are they trying to kick it? Well, the, does it depend uh, like what hash he's on or something? Maybe. I have no idea. Yeah, totally. I don't know if he's naturally right-footed, but they say he kicks equally as well with right. either foot. He also is a rugby-style kicker. I don't know what that means. So that's it's, the guy's it's a lower. Run, it's a lower kind of kick. No, he, it's the guy that runs off to the side. Yeah, you know the guy that takes a snap and runs to the side and then kicks it, and it it never gets high, but it bounces. Yeah, it never. You've it, seen it. It's a line drive. I, I have seen that, but usually it's from like the quarterback when they're like no, no, going no. There's, there's rug- no, 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 no. no there yeah, are rugby is, style kickers. It's rugby style kickers in in all right college football. Well, I believe you. It just you just don't want to. I don't want to. No, okay. I really don't. <laughs> okay, so he apparently does that pretty well. Well, that's fun. But that's interesting. But yeah. Oh, so he's so he's a punter. He's not a place kicker. Right. Correct. I'm thinking. No, you don't want a rugby style. Well, no place kicker. <laughs> Well, I did. I was confused by that, and now I'm no longer confused by the notion of a place kicker switching feet, because that would scare the bejesus. That out would of be yeah. terrible. No, no, I, this is the punter. Yeah, as the place holder. I'm no, that's, I was talking about the the punter. I got you. No, I was talking about the place kicker, and Adam changed it to, yeah. to the punter. Yeah, yeah. well, because that was our biggest struggle over. But the years. before that, we had Maldonado, who was 
He was horrible. He was he was highly regarded. He was the number one kicker in the nation. I remember there being times when we where recruited I was him. Said, "All right, that was okay." Okay, that's that's good because I don't have that memory. You need to share that. We need to mind meld. Yeah, there we go. Something because I this. just remember him missing Vulcan too many thirty-five yarders at critical points. All right, so you're going into the season now. Your your first game is uh, what a week away. Yeah. Yes. So it's Southern Utah. Southern, Southern Utah. Utah. Who is what? Out of where? Where are they? Where They're are they? out of Utah. <laughs> uh, towards the south end. <laughs> gotcha. Just Thank north you. of Flagstaff. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. That really clears it up. Uh, I, no, I mean, what, what? I couldn't tell you. What? What's what the conference? expectation of this game, Dad? We better win big. It's traditionally it's it's a D two you know or a. a okay, so they're FCS FCS football yeah. big, championship. They're a Big Sky Conference team. Well, you guys know the Big Sky Conference, Idaho State, Portland State, Cal Poly. Okay, NAU. so it is D2. Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington. Yeah. So uh, it's the same as NAU. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sac State, Montana. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's, yeah, it's it's FCS. Okay, so we're, we should be dominant there. It's it's whether or not we make mistakes or not. I think that's what's going to really set this game apart. We're going to win, but... Are we going to win in a convincing matter in a sense that we look polished and we look like we know what we're doing? Or are we going to win in the sense that we are making mistakes and we just win because we're better physically? Or And that, yeah, that's a very good point because that's, that's truly what we're looking for. You know, there's going to be some sloppy play because it's the first game of the year. Right. So there's going right. to be some penalties. It's going to be some. But are yeah. we going to turn the ball over? Are we going to look ridiculous? Go Ducks. Yeah. So then you go on to Nebraska. Okay, so now there's the key game of the year. That's huge. Because we're playing Nebraska at home. Mike Riley knows us well. Yeah. Well, he, he, yes and but no. He doesn't know, but he doesn't know Taggart. But he doesn't know Taggart, and he doesn't know the team that we have now. Correct. But it's a big game. Nebraska's a good team. They're one of the teams that's considered a co-favorite in the, uh, the Big Ten 12, West. Big Ten. The Big Ten West uh, with Wisconsin. Uh, they have a, a quarterback that's supposed to be really good, very quick, can run. So it's going to be a real test. Yeah. Now, and, then, and then it's Wyoming, and then you're into Pac-12 play. Right. And then going to Wyoming. Wyoming, Wyoming is has a good, been a pretty good team. They are a very good team. Yeah. They play everybody tough. And they Josh Allen, their quarterback, is really good. I mean, he's one of those guys that's probably going to be in the NFL. Wow. Yeah. They're, they're not a slouch. And going okay. there... Yeah. You know, that's that's a tough place to play. Especially after what could possibly be a rebounding weekend, you know, in something that, okay, you know, maybe we, we make too many mistakes coming up in Nebraska and we end up losing, right? So at that point, you know, we go into that next week and... It's very easy to lose in Wyoming. Yeah. That's really why nobody be. wants to go there. You know, Wyoming will get games with Texas a few years ago and they'll get games with, you know, other you know, power five conferences, nobody wants to go to Wyoming. Yeah. You know, it's like for years, nobody wanted to go to Boise state. So, well, I mean, but that's, I feel like that's part of the field. Yeah. That blue is really offensive. Yeah. It really is hard to play on that. I'm sure as opposed to playing on the green field, but again, getting through those two games is going to be critical and how we do, because then, we're going into Pac-12. Yeah, and you start with ASU, and I don't know anything about them this year. Just ASU quick, is not very good. Just real quick, does it surprise you guys that no other team has gone with a colored field? No. 
There are some others. Oh, there's a red one somewhere. Is there there's a red, a red one? one? Yeah. yeah. But no, to say which is virtually nobody, right? Yeah. It's like maybe there's two more. Two somewhere. in the in the country. Yeah. No, it's it's because it looks ridiculous. It is. But it but it gives you a advantage. Does it really? <laughs> okay, so the all blue uniforms on the blue turf. So you figure that a guy can run over like a wide receiver can go out and just lay down, and they can't see him because he's got the blue stuff on. I don't know on the blue turf. I, the, the way that I'm thinking of it, and is he jumps up and runs as, as a football player. And, I don't know. I mean, I've I've just heard that it's more difficult to play on a field that you're not used to seeing that color. So I would imagine you just you have to stop. You know, it's hard to stop laughing. So, so and it's hard to if, run when if, you're laughing. If that if that's the case, then I would imagine why there's only two, yeah, I'd, schools I'd, that have different colors. Yeah. Anyway, it annoys the the viewers. I'll tell you that it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay, we got Ari- Arizona State. Yeah. Uh, kind of a down year. You know, Graham is listed on one of the hot seat lists. You know. Yeah. What's he gonna do? Uh, you know what? Arizona's in the bigger one. Yeah, Arizona's horrible. They're they're terrible. Sorry, excuse. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Hey, come on the show, man. If you, I'm just trying to say, I I hope he comes on and is going to redeem his team. You know, yeah, there's nothing you can do with that team. <laughs> okay, so Arizona State. Then we play Cal. It's at Oregon. Cal at Oregon. Okay, but Arizona State is here in yes in Tempe. So Correct. that's a road game. But again, it's a game we should win. If we can get on a roll. So our the, first Pac-12 game is in the road. Yeah. Mm. It's a, and it's your second road game in a row. Right, which is kind of the, the theme of the season. We A lot of years it's road home, road home, road home. But this year it's not. This year it's two at home, two on the road. Yeah, you're right. Two at home, two on the road. Yep, and then uh, which then one 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 two. In my yeah, eyes, anyway. I would. It's good podcast. I think I would. Ra- I would <laughs> rather do that. Well, okay, so Arizona State. Again, I think we should win playing at Cal. Cal is really down. They have a new coach, Justin Wilcox, mm-hmm. the guy that we should have hired years ago as our defensive coordinator, long before Don Pelham. If we had a podcast, it'd be on it. There yeah. you go. We've talked about it back. Yeah, I've, I've been advocating that for years. Yep. Now he's the head coach at Cal. I think that's a game we should win. Yep. Easily. If we lose that game, we're really in trouble. Well, if you've won so far, I would say the momentum would carry you past a rebuilding Cal, although you're a rebuilding Oregon technically, so who knows, but Exactly. To go through to go through the Wyoming Nebraska if we're 3 and 0 coming down to to play Arizona State, we're in great shape. Yeah, and then you got to like the, your chances there, and so right there, then, and then, then the first, at least on here, the first team with a rank with a number by them. Nebraska didn't have doesn't have a rank according no. to this. No, no. And then uh, is Washington State? Washington State's ranked twenty fourth. Yeah. Wow. And then Falk and, is just is the way we play them at home. But that's the thing is I feel like our strength is our secondary, right? And right. so their biggest asset is their passing game. That's what they. That's what they strive for. Is they, they're going to throw over us every single time. Right, but they're a good team. They're they great. throw. They throw fifty times a game. That's true. Yes, and they have good wide receivers. But if we and can Mike s- Leach is a good coach, as much as you have talked bad about him over the years, oh, and he I'll, has made successful seasons. I'll tell you exactly Washington why. State. Because they go in the tank. Yeah, I'll be very curious to see what Washington State does this year because they could. They could have a losing record very easily. But they have the potential to have a great season. 
Yeah. Well, they play USC right before they play you guys. Ooh, okay. At home, they start with five home games. So that might yeah. Yeah, that might be a chip on their shoulder. You know, they lose against It'll USC. Be, again, there's a lot of things up in the air. That's the great yeah, thing about college. I love that about college football. College football is it's week it cha- to week. It changes so much. So Washington State at home again. That's where you want to play a good team. Yep. Then you got to go to Stanford, though. Right. Okay. So that's that that far into our our season, I could see that there's a reasonable possibility that at that point we're five and oh. And you would be ranked and Stanford would, you know, presumably still be ranked. They're fourteenth now. Right. So that would be the biggest game of the year so We'd far. We'd be high twenties, I think, if we were right. ranked. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we're we're going to Palo Alto. If Oregon's five and oh going into Palo Alto, there's they're gonna be ranked. I think that there's eyes oh, on yeah. Oregon this year. And so if we do end up winning games, people are going to see it. Yeah, they'll, they'll I think be that's ranked. the difference to other other years in the past where yep. we have won games and we haven't got recognition. I think we're going to get eyes now. Right. Well, and that was years ago. Yeah. Where they're like, okay, well, they're just lucky. Yeah. But I think people really, everything that I read nationally is that Oregon is one of the teams that can surprise. Oregon is one of the teams that, that yeah, okay, they're, they're down but they could be really good because yeah. well, there's still players there. And they're so popular, like we talked about before, that right. they're sort of catching a little bit of this Notre Dame, you know, love type thing where if they're any good, I think they're going to get the love. Okay, so the Stanford game. Then we're on the road the next week. Now UCLA, again, another team that as long as they're undefeated, as long as they're winning games, they play really well, but they as soon as they start losing games, they fall apart. Well, year I, in and year out. Yeah, one of the biggest headlines over the the off seasons for US UCLA, one that as an Oregon fan I was able to catch on was that Josh Rosen is such an uncoachable player, and that he was someone that isn't able to. I mean, in that way, you're not able to lead a team. You're not going to be the person that everyone's looking towards to for answers. You know, if you're not going to be the one that's going to accept your own growth and your own shortcomings, yeah, then, then yeah, you're he's not going to. He's an entitled little brat. You're not going to okay. help the team around you. Well, is Southern the antithesis Cali- of what we were talking about earlier. Right. Southern California just develops those with cool. unparalleled. Yeah. So UCLA, frequency. I'm not too worried about. Well, again, but they can get on a roll. Totally. And they do get athletes, they do have players. They do. It's. It's like even when USC was down, they were a dangerous team because they had players. Yeah. There are still kids that are going to go to UCLA that are going to go to Southern California. And even if they're not playing that well, you're playing a very talented team. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Okay. So then we have Utah at home and that'll be a big game because it'll be Darren Carrington coming back to Eugene. It'll be a very difficult defense. And at this point in the year, it really depends on what has happened. Right. At this point, it's, yeah, it's all momentum. Are we clicking? Are things going well? One of the things that I'm curious about this year is to see with Taggart and the entire staff, if things don't go well, if all of a sudden we have a tough loss against Nebraska. Right. What happens if we go to Wyoming and it's still a game we should win? The thing last year is that all of those close games, you know, we lost to Nebraska because it's just mismanaged. We, you know, we score touchdowns, but we start going for two. We're missing kicks. And all of a sudden, you know, there's five 
two-point conversions that we don't get. Our punts are 20 yards instead of 50, so we're losing field position on these games because our punter can't punt further than theirs. Well, he's trying to kick with his left foot, the moron. Jesus. Yeah. Different basically. different guy. Oh. Different guy. We're moved on. Ian Wheeler. He's, he's still at the University of Oregon getting his degree, and God bless him. Thank God he didn't put on shoulder pads this year. So, okay, so... That's one of the questions is that when things don't work perfectly, you know, how does this staff react? How do they keep the team together and playing hard? Which is what the benchmark for me is this year. Uh, The idea of going undefeated and playing in the national championship game is not really on the table. Right. I don't think we have enough players. But can we fight through and win close games? Can we stay together? Can we keep the, the turnovers down? Can we keep the penalties down? And when we get down into the end of the year, when we start talking about Utah and then at Washington is a killer. I mean, Washington's a great team. They great were, team. They were in the playoffs last year. Amazing defense. They have an incredible defense coming back. Peterson's a, a really good coach. But if we're on a high, if things are going well, if everybody's buying in, we have the talent to play with Washington. Totally. So you would, you would say maybe your goal is to make the Washington game a fun, relevant game. Exactly. For Oregon football next year. I would year. say that would be the, yeah, that would be a highlight of next season for sure. Like to have a puncher's chance essentially. Yeah. Go into that game and then, you know, even if you lose, don't have it like last year where, you know, they scored 64 points or something. And we had 20. And they, they basically left the stadium. And, you know. We finished the game. They were on the bus. On. They were on the bus to the airport. And then scored three more points. <laughs> the maintenance staff punched one in on you yeah, guys. Yeah, exactly. The, the, yeah. Yeah. The managers and the trainers were out there and, and got a field goal. Uh, the groundskeeper took one around the end. And we just, we just <laughs> reached for the pylon. <laughs> got it right inside. Um, we just weren't competitive. We didn't belong on the same field. Yeah. So I want those days to be gone. Yeah, totally. And then we finish up with Arizona, which is at home and a, definitely a, a winnable game. I want that to be a fun game. I want yeah. that to be, you know, a, a 47 to 21 game. And then it's Oregon State. Which oh, just nobody never ever knows, do they? That one, well, no. No one does know on that one. That one is always a, a coin flip, although we have been dominant over the last few years. I think that well, we this year is going to be beat last year. Did we really? Yes, we did. I recall- that was the final straw. For Helfrich, that's oh that's, yeah, okay, yeah, that's when they was, put his name on the, the airline death ticket. Nail. That was just yeah, like, it's like head back to Coos Bay, son. You lose Oregon State, you're done. Is he from Coos Bay? Yeah, nice. Yeah, what up, Coos Bay? Shout out to Coos Bay, Coos Bay, Oregon. He was he. That was a great story about Mark Helfrich, right? That's why he, we all wanted him. He to grew be there. up an Oregon fan. He was a duck through he, and through. He, he was the starting quarterback on his team and wanted to go to Oregon in the worst way, and couldn't. He just wasn't good enough, so he ended up at Southern Oregon. And he played his college football there and came up through the ranks, the coaching ranks, and coached around and had the opportunity. And you just looked at him when he was accepting the job and and his first news conference. And it's just like wherever you think that you want to end up in your life and you're there, Mm -hmm. you're standing in front of the wizard. Yeah. You know, and the the journey is all worth it. And you're like, God, this guy's going to be there forever. Please be a great coach. Mm. Please take us and continue with what's we were going on. So excited for what was happening. I was concerned listening to him talk because he wasn't Chip Kelly. 
Yeah. But, you know, he had this self-deprecating kind of way of talking, and it was a little uncomfortable. You know, when you make that joke about yourself and nobody laughs. Yeah. Uh, I and, know. Oh, I know it all too well. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's one of those things. You know, it's like Mailer used to try to make a joke, and yeah, yeah, it was just uncomfortable. Well, that's kind of the way Helfrich was initially, but you hoped, sure. you know, because this guy dreamed of having this job, and four years later, you know, he's thinking about being an analyst or or whatever his next step is. So, how many wins this season? I would be very happy if we had eight. I was going to say eight, nine. I almost put the over under at seven. So you would, you would like to see an over. Yeah. yeah. I, I would definitely say over. Yeah. With for that. us, uh, things would have a, to go incredibly sideways. Now, again, we're not particularly deep. So if injuries hit this team, we're done. We're in trouble. We're done. If Justin Herbert goes down, that, that's it. That's it. Then that's the, we're going to be re- have a difficult time scoring. Even if Freeman goes down, we have a fighting chance. Well, it sounds like, yeah, you're much deeper at running back. Offensive line. Running back, I'm concerned if our center goes down because he's really good. But put Pasarchik there and we're in trouble. Yeah, all of a sudden our snaps aren't getting back to the quarterback. Yeah. And that's a concern. There's a couple places that we are really thin. So if we can stay relatively healthy, we have athletes. We have, I think, a really good offense. If our defense can hold up and get off the field, which is always the killer, yep. they talk about the fact that you know, Oregon with Chip Kelly, oh, they scored too fast. And the defense had to play too many plays. Right. Well, but the problem with that is no. Yeah. Because if you if it's a three and out, if you're a really good defense, but yes, you're on the field for too many plays if you allow first down after first down after first down. And how Stanford used to beat us right. is, you know, with third and seven and an eight-yard pass to a tight end. Andrew Luck just killed us. Yeah. And... It's just, yeah, slow and methodical. Yeah. And then all of a sudden our offense gets on the field and it's a minute and we score another touchdown and our defense is on. can't get off the field. Right. Get off the field. Right. Yeah, you're right. A three and out is a three and out. Exactly. If you have third, there were so many times where. Nobody's gassed after three. Again, the end of Aliotti's time and certainly when all the, the, when Don Don Pelham Pelham was there is you have a a third and 19. Oh. And okay. They, they convert, and then we're running back 19 yards just to play another play. But everybody, we're rushing three, and everybody's falling back. I've always believed, and what Gang Green was, if you're third and 19, I'm bringing nine guys at yeah, the quarterback. Right. And if you can get the ball away. You can get it away, <laughs> and I'm covering your screen. So yeah. whoever the running back is, I got two guys going to him, and I got four or five guys going at the quarterback. You're not going to have time to throw it 19 yards down the field. Well, right. and if you do, then it's going to hang up there. Yeah. It, it blows me away that that's not just the universal way people play. Exactly. That's the way and that's Aliotis, we looked at it. <laughs> that's the way Aliota's defenses used that's to be. Killed us. I know. I remember you just pulling your hair out over that. But then all time. of a sudden, yeah, you're, you're, you're back and some guy catches the ball 21 yards down the field and everybody's standing around him. Yeah. I believe that, you know, if we get to eight wins, I'm very happy. I but agree. But again, it depends on how they happen. Yeah. You know, what I want is for us to be competitive. I want the team to to play together. I want the coaching staff to be together. And, you know, we're kind of starting over. You know, we're building. Regardless of what the season ends up with, I want that, you're right, that strong, united feel from the the team. 
Very similar to what we said last week about the 49ers. Yeah. When you have a new staff, mm-hmm. you want your team, you know, you come from a down year, you want your team to build on something. So, you know, I, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Well, it sounds just reading a little bit and listening to you guys talk about particularly that new head coach from, from South Florida. Yeah. Taggart. You know, Taggart. 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 He's uh, I love his name, by the way. Willie right. Taggart. Willie right. Taggart. <laughs> just, wasn't that the, uh, wasn't that one of the cops from Beverly Hills cop? <laughs> anyway. Taggart. Oh yeah. 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 yeah I, but uh, anyway, it sounds like he's got, you know, there's potential there. It's exciting. He's got the, you know, you could see him being very good. I mean, he's been very good, so why not? Well, it's the X's and O's that I mean, we're going to see. It's it's how they work together. Something we haven't mentioned that is a big thing that I think is what's to come and what could possibly come this season is the fact that he has a number one recruiting class yeah. coming into the 2018 season. Yeah, that's a big deal I, for next on, year. Yeah. For for some on some websites, but it you know that is to me something that really plays to what's going on now. He did the best that he could with the recruiting season he had coming in before that and got us up to 15th. But now it's, you know, up to the number one in something where he was able to do a full recruiting class, you know, someone that's able to inspire players that he's not even coaching. Mm -hmm. It's a good point. At that point, once he is able to coach these players, what is he going to do to them? And how is he going to be able to inspire them to do what they want to do? And that's what's exciting to me is being able to see what he's able to do with players that he isn't coaching. So now what is he going to do with the players that he is? Well, there's a huge, yeah, you're absolutely right, Adam. There's a huge buzz around Oregon right now with recruiting. And they have 23 kids that have committed verbally. Now, the big thing with that and what we've seen in recent years is can you sign the kids that commit because they're committing earlier and earlier now. It's a great recruiting class. It's a lot of four-star athletes. It's a lot of really quality players. Now, I think what they do throughout the year depends on what, what will, they keep. Yeah. Right. Will have an impact on how many of those kids they actually sign. If they have huge momentum right now with the buzz around the program with the recruiting class and all of these kids that they've brought in and, you know, not only Willie Taggart, but you go down the list of the, the entire staff are great recruiters and they have great history of recruiting every place that they've been. Right. And so if Oregon is able to get on a roll and play hard and win some games, win some close games and get to that, you know, eight win plateau and be competitive against, like we talked about competitive against the Washington's on the road, and competitive against USC. Stan- well, we don't play USC. Well, Stanford. Year. Stanford. UCLA on the road. UCLA. You know, if if we can do that, then I think that momentum continues, and you bring in at least a top ten class to add to what you've got. And we're not losing that many players to graduation this year. So now you start having the depth, right? That we're talking about. And this conversation next year, if you guys do have eight or nine wins, of course. Now we're now you're over the moon, right? Yeah. Now all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. it's just yeah, get out of the way, Alabama. We're coming. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's what you want. When you're Oregon, you don't want a five year process. No, not anymore. No, no. Now it's you're excited about what they've done to rebuild, and you're gonna go. Let's see some good positive momentum, and then let's get back to it. We have the name now, which is something that has been something we've been building on, but we have the money, which we always have had. Yep. 
and and when you have that kind of combination, that's what's going to be deadly. Yeah, it's cool. I'm I'm jealous. I'm excited for you guys. I don't really have a college team. I never really have. I've always loved college football for for you know what it was, the game itself. But so I've that's what you talked about at the very beginning. I've I've sort of glommed on and and watched the Ducks with you guys over the years, which I well, love. And see, there's the thing, Joe, that I'm the most disappointed in <laughs> is that you don't have a team. And you have you've you've watched a lot of duck games with us, yeah. and you've enjoyed shots. Now I, I will say that, you know, last year we started something. We try to build each year. A few years ago, we decided that after every touchdown, we take a shot mm-hmm. of of something, and we've come up with some pretty inventive shots to take. Correct. Last year we started seven ounce Saturdays, which it's is started just, by me, which was an accident, one hundred percent. When I came over um, for a duck game, I believe it was just me and me and me and my dad, me and Steve, just ready to go, and uh, told me to pick up some Dosakis. So I went <laughs> to the store, thinking, "Man!" So he grabbed a box cool. that said Dosakis on the side, and, and, yeah. And, and and what I saw was Dosakis twenty, you know, and I'm a like twenty tw- pack, twenty wow. pack of beer. What? No way. That's I've never heard awesome. of this before. I'm I'm grabbing this. So grabbed it, brought it here, threw it in the fridge, and before I even realized what had happened, my dad's over here in the in the kitchen just holding one of these seven ounce beers. What did you buy? That's his hand is barely like he's whole, wrapped he's his whole hand around this it, whole yeah. thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and I just I, I lost it. I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> So not laugh at that point. Yeah, right. It was it was very humorous, but it became seven ounce Saturdays. Yeah, serendipitous it, as it, just, it turns out. Yeah, it was it was the way we well, no, needed to go. That was two years ago. Yeah, that was two years ago. That was two years last ago. last year. We had a full season of seven ounce Saturdays. That's, That's awesome. true. I knew where you were going with that right away. That's such a funny story. Oh, it is. <laughs> you know, he walks in just so excited that he I got was a, so excited. I got a twenty pack. I was like, I you bought know, beer for like eight bucks. Yeah, this is just awesome. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw a seven ounce beer. It 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 was a mistake as well. We we bought some like a twelve pack or something. It and it was years ago. They've been around for a while. Oh yeah, and got it back to the apartment, and the guys are like, "What the hell is this?" Well, and it's great because you know, kind of we morphed into the idea that all right, if your if your beer's gone and you have to go to the fridge to get another beer, you get a round. Why would you not get one for You the get other one for everybody because yeah. even if your beer's half full, you've even got if you'd, four ounces. Even if you just cracked it. Exactly. <laughs> You're a sip away from being done with that beer. So now I'll tell you that, you know, John and Ian are very excited. Okay. About this year because Ian is back here for the first time. Correct. Ian Casper. I hope he understands Seven Ounce Saturday. He does. Okay. He does. He, yeah, he's been informed by okay. several people. Okay. Um, so that's exciting. So it's 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 kind of morphed into, you know, the, used to be a lot of people. Now there's not so much because I think we can only get about five or six people in this little place. Yeah, something like that. But it, it'll be a fun year. It's it's exciting. It's always really exciting for all of us. But, Joe, honestly, you have kind of glommed onto this, and you don't own anything Oregon. I just want to I'm, know, dude, do you enjoy the ducks? I would like to wreck the record to reflect that I am wearing a green shirt. So oh, that's so that's so weak. Yeah, it's right. so sad. No, I, I have. I don't I have, Oregon anything because I, I don't. I'm not drawers a, full of stuff that probably would fit you. I know. I've worn a hat at the. Uh, there was, you know, I don't know if you still yeah, do it or yeah, not, but it was. That's that's not. 
Well, for years, I wouldn't allow people in. No, yeah, no. Everybody had to have duck stuff on. That's what I'm saying. Is like this isn't this isn't us saying that we can lend him our duck stuff. This is us saying he needs to own his own. We need him. Yeah. There was. I feel like a fraud if I do that. Well. Well, okay, but, but you I have you understand have why this, you don't just buy one on this exact podcast. You have admitted that you do not have a college team. Yeah, I know. It was like four minutes ago. So you yeah. really <laughs> need to just say, you know what? If there was one that I was rooting for, this is what I go for. Well, I do root for the Ducks. I also root for Arizona because my wife is. So that's a weird, you know, uh, contradiction, right? Because my wife's an Arizona alum. Uh, I like ASU a little bit even because I live here in Tempe. Right. Okay. And so and sad. I've always sort of liked Texas for some inexplicable reason, the Longhorns. So. Wow. But uh, but most most of all, I like the game and I like the storylines and I like. Uh, but week to week during the regular season, I really only care mostly about the Ducks, frankly anymore. Yeah. So you're right. You're I right. The, I remember the game that, and I forget which one of the Zach's friends. I know that you know who it is. Brock Abendini. Yeah, Brock came over and he's ASU. Yep. All the 100%. way. And you don't wear an ASU shirt. He wore an ASU shirt to our game. He what did. What is he thinking? What, what okay, was he so, thinking? So I told him. I said, okay, you got to put a duck shirt on. He refused to do it. I said, okay, you got to take your shirt off. So he watched the entire game shirtless. <laughs> We're not which I respected that. that. Yeah, I, totally. I, I respected that. Yeah, got to okay. give it up to him on that one. Yeah. Now, if you want to sit there shirtless on the couch and watch the game, whatever i mean the guy had a six pack so whatever but <laughs> no i lot. think he brought a half case <laughs> seven ounces but you know yeah <laughs> but so okay that's and and it will be fun like you're talking about to listen to this later because we kind of laid out what games we think we're going to win right you know i think we lose to stanford i think possibly washington i i think we lose to washington Okay, so that's 10 wins. It's tough when Browning's coming back. I think UCLA is going to be a tough game, again, depending on, on where we are at that point. Yep. Nebraska's going to be a really tough game, you know, so. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a total season that can go one way or the other, and, and that's something that's exciting but scary at the same time. Well, win the games you should win, and yep. this is kind of true with all sports. Win the games you should win. And compete in the games that maybe you're not favored in. I think that's what's more exciting about football as opposed to basketball. Because basketball, in my eyes, you can lose a lot more games, and it's okay to happen, you know. Yeah, but when it comes to football, you gotta win. We gotta win. You know, you step up in those moments. Can't lay an egg. Yeah. Well, that's what we talked about. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we just talked about sports and football and how it's different. Yeah. Is that every game has more meaning? Right. Well, in college football, is of course, especially even yeah, you know, the, even more than it's the top of the top when it comes to that. The, every game being the most important game is it's not just a cliche when you're, when and, you're in college and, football. And, you know, it really going into it. If we lose to Nebraska, it doesn't mean the end of us. And that's the thing is that those kind of games happen early. It can continue to go on. So yeah, you're right. It's not like it's it's different from a championship season when you're going in ranked in the top five or top ten. Then then it's a lot of pressure on your wins and losses. This year is a little bit liberating in that regard. That you know you're talking about competing and yeah. trying to steal one or two and yeah. But you know the days that we could steamroll teams, you know now we have to prove again. Which is you know, who we are, what we are. Okay, so this is the Ducks football. So you people had to know going in that this was going to be long. It had to have been. We really tried to keep it short, but this is going to be, I think, 
even longer than Wagner. The, this is the uh, the TJC jinx on length of it podcasts. totally is. <laughs> Although I don't think you said more than five sentences. No, uh, that's fine. maybe. So this is it. This is this is our preseason duck football episode. Yep. And I think we threw out some. I don't know, maybe some interesting insights, maybe not. I think so. Hopefully something that wasn't covered already. Yeah. Maybe. Which is hard because God, there's so many people out there covering so Social much. Social media these days. But this is definitely the Juby take on University of Oregon Duck Football 2017. Totally. And honestly, if you want more perspectives, you can look who are the good ones, the good ones of today? Point them out to me so I can come and join their rate. We'll walk around this land with open hands looking for change. We'll want to understand this progression we have at hand. Humanity is killing wheat for this we will not stand. I say let's progress in good contest. Make conference and love our best. Our onslaught of love will be at an all-time high. Crashing like waves on some ponderosa pines. Our love that makes no sense. We who spend love at no expense. We are a force of passion. Creating a new faction. Taking action. Working hard just for the satisfactions. With the abilities to shine so bright that others want to 